It's a good morning. Am I, am I turned on? Okay, good. I couldn't hear myself. Um, what a good, is it okay if we uh, talk about resurrection a few weeks before Easter? Is that okay? Are we good with that? All right, good. Because I hope you know that resurrection is a all year round thing, right? It's not just Easter Sunday. Uh, the reason that we celebrate Sunday mornings is because of resurrection. So every time we gather together on Sunday mornings, we're celebrating resurrection. Uh, before I get into my, uh, to my, my sermon here, I do want to, I didn't do this last week, but uh, last Saturday, our teens participated in our district blast. And I just want to take a minute to, uh, to recognize them uh, for their accomplishments because I didn't do this last week. Uh, I knew that I was preaching and I knew that I could get away with it today. Uh, at the beginning of my sermon, so I just I just held on I held off on that. So real quick, teens, if you participated in Blast, we just stand up. You don't have to come up here. Uh, just stand up. There we go. I know we've got some that will be, probably be in second service. Um, so these guys were awesome. Uh, if you don't know what Blast is, basically we compete as a district, the Northwest Ohio District. You guys can have a seat. Um, and we we compete in things like sports and music and uh, in math and. Uh, all different competitions. And so we, uh, I think we fared pretty well. Uh, so I just want to take a minute to recognize uh, our, our basketball team placed third place this year, our senior high basketball team. Our junior high basketball team placed right behind them, fourth place. Uh, so give it up for our basketball players. Yeah. Our volleyball players uh, actually placed second on the district. So give it up for our volleyball girls. Awesome. Uh, we had a couple in, that participated in crafts. Uh, Samuel Laird placed first, pay, first place in uh, senior high crafts, and Carissa Myers placed first place in junior high crafts. So that's awesome. Um, they do this thing called Hot Shots with basketball, uh, and we had uh, several places in there. Uh, Wyatt Miller placed third, Jason Green second, uh, and then th that was junior high category. Senior high, Ryan Walters placed third, and Colton Green placed first. So awesome work there. And then, um, I lost one here. Here we go. Uh, Rebecca Moore placed first in her instrumental um, competition. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it. If I miss somebody, it's not intentional. I'm just trying to look through my list. <laughs> so, uh, proud of my teens. Um, they, uh, they make me look good as a youth pastor, I think. So, um, I like them. They're pretty good. I'm going to move this over here so I don't get lost. Um, so yeah, we're talking about resurrection this morning, and it's not quite Easter yet, um, but it will be in a few weeks, and how many weeks do we have till Easter? Two weeks? Is it two weeks from today? All right, so Easter's coming. We're going to talk about resurrection this morning. Um, we've been going through this series called Look Again, and uh, basically what we've been doing is taking a look at the, um, at the stories leading up to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and, and even beyond. Uh, next week, Pastor Paul will kind of take us even beyond the resurrection. So we've been looking at these very familiar stories in Scripture that we oftentimes look at, and we've been, we, we've been going with the idea of not everything is as it seems. And so we're, we're trying to take a more intentional look at these, at these events and see what God may uh, have in store for us. Uh, and we, we've looked at things like um, the idea that the Messiah, the Savior, was not quite the kind of Messiah or Savior that, that the disciples and the people had been hoping for, uh, that he had something very different 
in mind than what they wanted. And so we looked at Palm Sunday and we looked at, uh, we even looked at the crucifixion. And, and last week, Pastor Bob talked to us about Silent Saturday and it's not really a silent Saturday because we stand on the promises that God spoke before that. Um, and so we've been just looking at this series and, and looking again. What is it that we can look at? and How can we find something, maybe just a new truth that God wants to speak to us through these very familiar stories? And I do want to point out before I uh, get in too deep that um, on Good Friday, uh, so the Friday before Easter, uh, we are going to be doing the journey to the cross uh, here in our church. And so um, you may know we've, we've done that the past two years. Uh, this year is going to look a little bit different. Um, because our Lent series has kind of played right into the hand of this, uh, it's going to look a little bit different. And so for the past, well, this is the fifth week, and then next week's the sixth week, we're going through these kind of stages leading up to the cross. And so um, the, the journey to the cross on Good Friday will kind of uh, be your chance to actively participate in these stories that we have talked about um, over the past several weeks. Um, so I would encourage you to come out. That's Good Friday. Um, it's kind of a come as you please and go through at your own pace. And so uh, it'll be available from five to nine on, on Good Friday. I uh, would highly encourage you and your family to come out uh, and, and kind of experience these stories that we've, we've been talking about. That being said, I want to dig in to scripture. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, if you would like to follow along. Uh, Luke chapter 24, starting right at the beginning, because that's a good place to start in chapter 24. I'm parched today, so I've got my MVNU Cougars water bottle. They're not paying me to advertise. I actually paid them a whole lot of money. <laughs> so you're welcome, Mount Vernon. Luke 24, chapter 1. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Luke chapter 24, verse 1, uh, and we'll go through verse 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Jesus, thank you for your word to us. Um, would you speak through these scriptures? Um, teach us what you would have us to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love the way that this... Uh, this passage ends. It says that Peter walked away wondering what in the world just happened. You ever have one of those moments where like you're like, what just happened? So I'm a Reds fan. Any, any Reds fans? I know, yeah, thank, thank you, Baylor. You're not really a Reds fan. You just want to make me feel good. I appreciate that though, man. Love you too. Cool. Uh, the Reds, 
Um, there's not much to be a fan about right now with the Cincinnati Reds, so it's kind of a tough, it's kind of a tough thing. But I'm a Reds fan, and uh, a handful of years ago, the Reds were supposed to be like really good. Like they stacked their lineup, and it was going to be good. And in fact, they uh, they made it to the playoffs, which for me was a, a big deal um, because the last time they did was. I was in the early 90s, and I was only like five or six, and so I don't really remember a ton. So this was a big deal. And the Reds, um, I particularly remember, I wish I remember what year it was, but I can't, it's not coming to my head. Um, the Reds faced the Giants in the first round of the, uh, of the playoffs. And it was, it's a five-game series, and so they just needed to win three, right? So they go, and they win the first two. They go out to San Francisco, and they win the first two games. And I'm like, oh, we got this in the bag. We just need to win one more game uh, in the next three, and it's golden. And two of those are in Cincinnati. We got this. We got this wrapped up. We come home. Well, I don't say, I say we. I wasn't, I'm just living out my dreams that I was actually a baseball <laughs> I wasn't involved in it. They come back to Cincinnati and they lose the next three games to the Giants and are knocked out of the playoffs. And I'm wondering, what in the world just happened? Like, we had this in the bag. We were going on, and and they got beat. What in the world? You ever have those moments? You're like, what in the world? Did that really just happen? I think there's some, like, uh, YouTube videos of, like, that just happened. Like, it's this craziest things, and that just happened. Peter walks away from this uh, in this story, the scripture ends with Peter walking away, wondering what just happened. And you can't really blame him because uh, put yourself in Peter's position. Think about what Peter had just gone through in the past uh, few years of his life. Peter was this fisherman. Uh, he, he did the family trade of, of being a fisherman. That was his life. And all of a sudden, this new guy comes around, this new kind of rabbi who doesn't who doesn't have people come to him and ask him to seek him or to follow him, but he goes and seeks people to follow him. And he comes across Peter out fishing on the boat and says, Peter, man, forget about the nets. Forget about everything that you've ever done. Forget about all that you know and come and follow me. And Peter does. He gives up everything to come and follow Jesus. So Peter's following this Jesus guy around and he's following him. He's listened to him teach and he's seeing him perform all of these miracles and he becomes one of the the close friends of this Jesus guy. And things are good. This is what he has, this is what he's given up everything that he knew for, for this Jesus who was going to make things really good. And then what happens to Jesus? He sees that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he simply just gives up to his so-called friend Judas, and he, and he allows him to be taken away and is crucified and is dead. And now what? Peter, who had given up his entire life for this man who willingly gave up his life, and so we pick up the story here where, they've, where they're, they're all kind of left in this uh, period of wondering, like, what everything that we knew is now gone. This is not the way we envisioned this. 
And then all of a sudden we see, uh, we see this group of women and in, in different books that, that this story comes in in, in, the, in the Bible. Um, it, the list is a little bit different, but, um, but the common theme is that there were a group of women who went to the, uh, to the tomb of Jesus. And, and so, and you kind of have to understand some of the kind of the burial um, processes of these days that they would, they would wrap the body and then they would um, kind of, uh, wrap it in spices and, and allow the body to decay. And then when the bones were, were just bones, they would move them and, and bury them in a new place. And so uh, these group of women had gone to complete the burial rituals um, of, of Jesus after, after their Sabbath day, had gone to complete these burial ritual, rituals to, um, to, to wrap him in spices and, and prepare the body for a proper burial. And so they get there. And they see that this stone had been rolled away. And when they looked into the tomb, it was empty. This man who they had been following had died, but now his body's not in the tomb. And so we see that they kind of run back to, uh, to tell the rest of the apostles. And when they get there, of course, nobody believed them because this is nonsense, right? Like we saw him die on the cross we, in fact, saw him be put into the tomb, and we saw the tomb rolled in front of him. This is crazy. But Peter, we know Peter is kind of a, an off-the-cuff kind of guy, right? Uh, it gets him in a little bit of trouble frequently. Um, and so Peter's like, no, i got to see this. This is crazy. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know what's going on, but I've got to see this. And so he runs to the tomb, and he looks in, and he's gone. And so this man that he had given up everything for was dead, was gone. Everything was over. And now all of a sudden it's as if he is not dead anymore. And can you help Peter? Can you help? Can Peter help it that he walked away wondering what in the world has just happened? What a whirlwind of events. This this idea of resurrection, these events of resurrection, certainly caused Peter, and it certainly caused um, the, the people of God at this point to look again at the idea of resurrection. Because resurrection wasn't this new idea that, that they hadn't heard of before. In fact, it had become part of their uh, religious teachings, this idea of a resurrection. In fact, you'll, you'll find the first um, kind of mention or talk of resurrection in Daniel chapter 12, if you want to check that out later. Uh, but when Daniel's talking about uh, the end times and he talks about this idea of the resurrection. Uh, but the resurrection that, that, um, that was talked about in this time was this idea that everyone who was dead, all of the dead were kind of in waiting. They were waiting for this ultimate resurrection. And this resurrection would kind of be the very end. It would be the end all be all. Those who were dead would have walked through death and come out on the other side at resurrection. But in this resurrection, it would signify the end of all things. This was the end and then there was resurrection. This was the concept that they would have had in their mind when they were thinking and, and hearing about resurrection. All bodies would be raised in the resurrection. But this would mark the end. You kind of see this play out in Jesus' interaction uh, at Lazarus' death. And Mary and Martha are asking Jesus to come and, and heal their friend. And, and um, Jesus doesn't make it in time. And, and we know that Lazarus dies. And, and, 
And he says to, to Martha that, you know, it's, it's okay. He's going he's gonna to come back. He will be resurrected. He'll be raised from the dead. And, and Martha kind of points to this idea of resurrection. Well, yeah, I know. I know that. I get that. I, like, in, the end, in the end, all things, all of them will be resurrected and, and everything will be good. I get that. And Jesus is like, no. No, this is now. Like, this is, watch this. And then he does his, his thing. So you kind of see that play out in, this, in, in that passage, this idea that the resurrection was the end of all things. But Peter shows up to the tomb. And previously the women had shown up to the tomb. And right here and right now, the tomb was empty. As the song we just sang at the beginning said, God robbed the grave. Man, isn't that an awesome, an awesome line, an awesome image? Our God robbed the grave. That's, that's good. Um, it caused them to look again. This idea of resurrection that they had thought was just in the end, and now Jesus was not in the tomb. This resurrection was not what they had in mind. This resurrection was right here and right now. And it obviously wasn't all bodies because they were there and they could see that not all the dead bodies had been resurrected. And it certainly wasn't the end of all things because they were still there. They were still there wandering around. But this resurrection was right here and right now. It caused them to walk away wondering what in the world just happened. It made them take another look at their ideas of resurrection. Now, I want to point out real quick, just before we um, go too far, I, I think that the resurrection did do a couple of things. The resurrection of Christ did a couple of things. Um, it certainly solidified Jesus' deity. Uh, and it also uh, solidified the idea that Christ was Lord. These were things that Christ had been teaching and, and rumors had been started that maybe this is the Messiah, maybe he is the Son of God, maybe he is Lord. And the resurrection certainly solidified those ideas. But I want to look again this morning. Because I think that the resurrection of Jesus did so much more than just those things. You see this idea of future resurrection happening now with Jesus. It brought what was hoped for for the future. And it brought it to the present. It took this idea of future hope of resurrection and it made it very real right here and right now in the, in the present. It signified that this future kingdom, this new creation that Jesus had been referencing his entire ministry when he talked in parables and stories and he taught about the kingdom of God, it took this future hope of a new kingdom, a new creation, and it made it right here and right now in the present. It painted this awesome picture of an intersection of two kingdoms. This intersection of the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven that we hoped for in the future at the final resurrection, and it brought them together at this intersection. This resurrection brought to life what Jesus had prayed when the disciples asked him to teach them to pray and he prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It brought that prayer 
to life. This was no longer some future hope for some future resurrection. This ushered in the kingdom of God here and now. And that was confusing to Peter. And that was confusing to the rest of God's people that this idea of resurrection was here and now this isn't what they had expected. Can I be honest? I think that uh, it kind of is confusing to us as well. Um, because we often think about resurrection and kingdom of God stuff as something that is a far off future hope. And while I don't want to belittle that, and I do certainly want to affirm that that is absolutely part of it, I think that sometimes we then fail to understand the here and now components of resurrection and new creation and the kingdom of God. We are living at the intersection of the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven. And I think that that reality does a few things for us that I want to point out. Um, first of all, the resurrection of Jesus brings redemption. The resurrection of Jesus brings redemption. And I think that there's a couple parts of that that I want to point out. Obviously, the, we, we talk about this frequently. The resurrection, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus brings about forgiveness of sins. Without the bloodshed, there would be no forgiveness of sins. And that's one reason that we celebrate the resurrection. We can have forgiveness for our sins. But can I tell you that I'm afraid that sometimes we stop there? And we become okay that we're just forgiven of our sins? it. But can I tell you that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we also have power over sin. Let me say that again. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have power over sin. We don't have to sin. We don't have to be stuck in this cycle of sin. The resurrection of Jesus gives us power over sin. Now, how does that practically look? And, and, and I don't have everything figured out um, because there's certainly flaws and, and we certainly mess up. And so I don't understand all the ins and outs of this, but I can tell you that scripture makes it pretty clear that we can have power over sin. Uh, Paul addresses it in Romans chapter six. I just want to read uh, some verses real quick because man, this will, this will get you going. This is good. Uh, Romans chapter 6, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was rise, raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. 
Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. The resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to sin. It gives us power over sin. And again, I don't know the ins and outs of what exactly that looks like, but, but I think that in those moments of temptation, when we exercise our power over sin or the power of God in us over sin, um, it, it's an understanding that, that we, were, we are dead to our old self and we are raised to life in Christ that we are dead to the life of sin and the power of sin is dead in us and we don't have to. And can I tell you that I think that, that in those moments where we exercise that power over sin, that that is a moment of intersection of the kingdom of heaven and a kingdom of world. The present, the here and now. The resurrection brings redemption but I think the resurrection also brings hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings us hope. The good news is that means that that brings hope for even our current situations. And I know that there are lots of situations that don't look great in, 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 represented in a room like this. Hardships and trials and, and, uh, and sicknesses and all of these circumstances that are represented, can I tell you that the resurrection of Jesus brings us hope? Why? What, what brings us hope? Um, in, in kind of my studying and, and, and researching this, this new idea kind of, kind of came about, and it's not a new idea that I had. It's just one that I grabbed from my research. This idea of death. In all of our circumstances, in all of our troubles and our trials and our hardships, what is the ultimate threat or opposition that we face? It's death, right? Death is the ultimate. That in, in all of our circumstances, in all of our situations, the ultimate opposition or threat that we can face and encounter is death. What did the resurrection of Jesus do? What did God do? He robbed the grave, right? He, the resurrection of Jesus, brought power over death. That death was not the end. Death did not have the final say, and he overcame death. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. Because even death can't keep us down. The resurrection brings us hope of power over death, of power of hope over our, for our circumstances. The resurrection of Jesus brings us hope. Death has been defeated. When we live in those moments of hope, when we live in those moments where the resurrection of Jesus brings us hope that nothing can get in our way that cannot be overcome and has not been overcome, we live in a moment of intersection of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, intersecting with the kingdom of the world. Resurrection brings redemption, it brings hope. Finally, I think resurrection gives us mission. The resurrection of Jesus gives us a mission. It gives us as individual believers and it gives us as a church and it gives us as the church in general a mission. 
I referenced the Lord's Prayer earlier, and in, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus um, prayed that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this kind of gives us this idea um, of a mission that the resurrection brings us. Christ's resurrection brought about this new kingdom. Nothing was going to stop it. Not even death was going to stop the kingdom of God coming here on earth. Uh, N.T. Wright in his book, Surprised by Hope, which is a fantastic resource on on the resurrection. I would encourage you to check it out. Um, I love this quote. I love this mission that we as the church have. It says, because of the the resurrection, the work of the church is to implement the resurrection of Jesus and thereby anticipate the final new creation. We as the church get, think about this, we as the church get to implement the resurrection of Jesus in our world right here and right now. We have the role of implementing it. We have the role of making the resurrection real right here and right now. And in doing so, we also look forward to this ultimate final future kingdom of God. But right here and right now, we implement that kingdom of God. We implement the resurrection of Jesus here and now. We play a role in bringing about this new kingdom that Jesus talked about. Those are pretty big shoes to fill, right? We get to play a role in bringing about the kingdom of God. So when we see injustices in our world and we see people being oppressed and we see hurting and pain in our world, um, things that are certainly not of the kingdom of God, we don't just sit by idly and wait for something else to happen. We don't just sit on our hands and think, oh, the kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. And and, and, and at the final resurrection, all things will be made new. And so we're just going to wait for that to happen. No, that's not what we get to do. When we see these injustices, um, we're active. We do things. We do things to implement the resurrection of Jesus. Again, this ultimate weapon, uh, the ultimate weapon of these injustices and these oppressions is what? It's the threat of death. But guess what the resurrection did? The resurrection overcame death. Our God robbed the grave. Death is not the final word anymore. So these ultimate threats of these things that we see in the world, oppression and injustices and hurts and hardships, they don't have the final say. Death does not have the final say. And so therefore we act. We do. Now I know that in this in the circumstances that we live in, in the world that we live on, and you turn on news and you see all kinds of things, I know that it's easy to think that any work that we can do to implement the resurrection of Jesus may be just futile efforts. Because what what good in the long run is this going to do? What, what, What role will this play? But can I tell you that in every single instance of us implementing the resurrection of Jesus, no matter how small it may be, we are bringing about an intersection of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. We're bringing about the kingdom of heaven in anticipation for the ultimate and final future kingdom of heaven. Now, 
I got to be honest, as I'm preparing for this and I'm reading about all that the resurrection can do for us and what it means for us right here and right now, I'm tempted to say, that's pretty stinking tough. (laughs) Because I know what it's like to face temptation and to struggle with sin. And I know what it's like to feel like there's no hope for my circumstances. And I certainly know what it's like to feel like I have nothing to contribute to this the problems of the kingdom of the world, I have nothing that I can contribute that will bring about the resurrection of Jesus here and now. I get it. Another thing that I found really interesting when I was researching this idea of resurrection, the language of Jesus' resurrection is often written in a passive way. Here's what I mean by that. Several, most of the times throughout Scripture where Jesus' resurrection is, re- is um, referenced, it's used in a passive form. There's a few exceptions that you'll find. What I mean by that is this. When it talks about Jesus being, uh, Jesus being resurrected, it oftentimes says Jesus had been raised or Jesus was raised to life. What it does not say, except for a very few um, instances, is that Jesus raised to life. What does that mean? That, 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 it, that it's passive. That means that there was something else at work there. Jesus kind of points to this in, in John uh, chapter um, 5, verse 19, uh, when he says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. This idea of this passive, um, these passive voice in resurrection means that it wasn't just Jesus, human Jesus, being resurrected from the dead. It was the power of God through the Holy Spirit in him that brought him to life. Jesus was sourced by the Spirit, sourced by God. So what's that mean for you and me? Guys, when I say that resurrection brings redemption and power over sin and hope and, and it gives us mission, can I tell you that we also cannot do this on our own. The only way that this comes about, the only way that we can accomplish these things is to likewise be sourced by the Holy Spirit. The same power that was at work in the resurrection of Jesus, we have access to that source. <laughs> the same power is alive and available resurrection, not just this future far off thing, but something that brings about so much here and now. I want to ask the band to, to come on up. Um, we're going we're gonna to end the way we started this service. And we're going to, um, will you guys stand? We're going to sing, we're going to sing uh, the new song that we sang, Resurrecting. Because I tell you, this is one of the most powerful songs that, uh, that I think of have come out recently. This idea that the resurrected king, the resurrected Jesus who was sourced by, the, by God through the Holy Spirit is not just resurrected, but is also resurrecting us. Bringing about resurrection and new life in us. So as the band sings, and I would encourage you to sing along um, with this, but I want, I want to ask you this. Where do you need the power of resurrection in your life? Is it over sin? 
Is it over circumstances? Is it over this kingdom of the world? The resurrected king is resurrecting us. So I would invite you as we sing this, uh, if you would like to come to the altars and just meet with Jesus, the one who is resurrected, do so. And then we're going to pray at the end.
Jesus, we claim that you are resurrecting us. That this is not just some future far off hope that we look forward to, but this is here and now. So God, would you resurrect us? Would you bring about the hope that is in the resurrection in our life? And may we be people who implement your resurrection in our world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us the same access to the same source of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Help us to live as people who are sourced by God through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.